0: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
1: Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's Dylan. Of course, this is short stuff. Short stuff
2: now. So, Josh, I have a question for you. Okay. I know that every time we go to Chicago, Mm -hmm. you're always like, this is the creepiest place I've ever been. (laughs) It feels haunted. Forget New Orleans. Right. Forget other creepy places. This Chicago is the scariest place on earth.
1: Right. (laughs) I do say that.
2: And you know what? After listening to this story, you might be right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... It is a surprising town. Like, that's kind of where the Dunes murders started. That's where the Tylenol murders were, I think, oh, was wow. in Chicago. I just realized this is the third one, huh? Yeah, I, at, at, at the least. very least. At the very least. Um, and, in fact, part of this um, this episode takes place in Edgewater Hospital, which um, look up abandoned Edgewater Hospital. There's like 50, 50 pictures of this one creepy of abandoned hospital. Oh, my gosh. God, those are the best. And um I think it was abandoned maybe in the nineties, it's like this this empty abandoned hospital in a high rise. But it's where Hillary Clinton was born and where John Wayne Gacy was born. Really? Yeah. But by Were the they c- cribmates? I d I don't know. I don't I didn't go to the trouble of checking out their ages to see how far apart they were, but wouldn't that be weird? Has the alt right linked them together? Uh, eventually, if not, they will now. <laughs> We just gave him a little a little piece, a little sure. shred.
2: Like, no, but we'll look into it.
1: So um, at this Edgewater Hospital, there was a woman named uh, Teresita Basa who worked there. And she was 47. She was Filipino. And apparently she was a, a well-to-do Filipino aristocrat, mm-hmm. uh, expat who lived in America and worked as a respiratory therapist nurse in, at Edgewater Hospital. Uh, and she lived in Chicago, in Chicago proper, not in the suburbs. And one day, she is discovered in her apartment uh, under a smoldering pile of clothing, naked, with a kitchen knife sticking out of her chest. She had been murdered. I think the fire department found her, and they were really surprised with what they found.
2: Yeah, it was a pretty routine call for them of an apartment fire uh, on February 2nd, 77. And uh, under, like you said, under under a mattress that was a clear murder because— the, of that kitchen knife sticking out of her chest. Right. And that plus, would have been you know, a heck of an accident.
1: Sure. You stab yourself in the chest and then set your, your clothing on fire under a mattress. It, yeah, it would have been a heck of an accident, right? So this is, um, unfortunately, it, it just goes unsolved. There's like six months, and these detectives who are working the case, they try out every lead, they start doing some investigating, they find, you know maybe there were people who wanted her dead. Nobody had the right motive or opportunity. There was no good suspect, and they reached a total dead end within six months.
2: That's right. So uh, Detective Joe Statula of Homicide came in one day, about six months later, saw a note on his desk that said, call the Evanston Police Department about the Teresita Bassa case. He called Evanston, and they said, hey, you need to call Dr. Uh, Jose Chua in Skokie. And he said, couldn't they have just put that on the note? It would have <laughs> saved me a phone call. <laughs> right. And they said, we wanted you to know it came from us. Right. So Skokie, Illinois, uh, which always reminds me of uh, Usual Suspects. Oh, definitely. Does it to you, too?
1: Barbershop Quartet in That's Skokie. right, in Skokie, Illinois. Yeah.
2: Um, They went to see Dr. Joe, uh, Jose, we call him Joe, <laughs> Chua. <laughs> right. Uh, who was also a Filipino, as we'll see. Yeah. And they interviewed him, and he said, a weird thing has happened here. My wife, uh, she's 38 years old, she has gone into trances three different times saying in Tagalog that she is Teresita Bassa, mm-hmm. and she needs help solving her murder, and here's who did it.
1: Right, which is very, very weird and, and kind of a... Uh something that you would probably ignore especially if you got a call from somebody saying yeah my wife went into a trance and said that she's a murder victim yeah but there were two things going on here one Statula and his partner had reached a total dead end in this case and really any lead was was worth pursuing at this point right and then two not only had the um, the doctor's wife um, what is it Remabasa no, Ramibius. Ramibius. That's Ramibius Chua, uh, Dr. Jose uh, Chua's wife. Not only had she said that she was this murder victim, she named the murderer. And she also said yeah. that the murderer had been in uh, Teresita's apartment and had stolen things from it, and that some of that stolen goods were, were jewelry that he had given to her, his girlfriend. So the fact that, like, this voice from the grave was saying that she was a murder victim and also saying who did it and what they did with the jewelry, that was enough, apparently, to convince the detectives to follow up on it.
2: And not only that, mm-hmm. before we take our little break, she gave names of people who could identify this jewelry and telephone numbers of those people. Yeah, which
1: is pretty nuts.
2: Yeah, Ron Samara, Ken Bassa, Richard Pisotti, and Ray King's and that's not even the murderer. So that's a pretty good setup. I think we'll take a break. OK. And we'll tell you what happened right after this. in these trances in Tagalog mm-hmm. that she is this murdered woman.
1: Teresa, Teresa, huh.
2: this guy broke into my house who works at my hospital as a respiratory technician. Yeah. He comes in to ostensibly fix a television, murders me, steals my jewelry that was given to me, uh, in France as a gift from my father, uh, to, uh, my mom. Mm-hmm. He stole the stuff. Here's the people that can verify it. Here are their phone numbers. They decide to investigate and it checks out. It checks out. That's the crazy thing. That's the the crazy thing.
1: The detectives start looking into this, and they're like, there is this man named Alan Showery, and he did work with Teresita Bassa, so let's go visit him. And they went to... Because she named him. We've gotten that across, right? Right. She said, Alan Showery killed me. Right. That this woman in the trance said, this man, Alan Showery was my murderer. Yes. So the detective, and she gave enough information, the detectives followed up on it. They went to visit Alan Showery and they um, they said, hey, will you come down to the station with us? And he went with them voluntarily, which is very important as we'll see in a minute. And they started interviewing him about Teresita Bas' murder. Apparently they read him his rights. They did everything by the book. Uh, They didn't arrest him or anything like that, but he started answering questions down at the station. And the more questions he answered, the more they started to suspect that he was lying because they were actually catching him in lies and contradictions and things like that. Mm -hmm. And eventually he admitted to having gone to her apartment to help her fix the TV, but that she had called and canceled before he got there, so he went home instead. Well, the second thing they did was they went to his apartment and talked to his girlfriend and said, hey, has your boyfriend given you any jewelry recently? She said, well, yeah, he gave me this pendant and this ring as a late Christmas present. And um, I love them. Don't they just look divine?
2: The late Christmas present. (laughs) And the
1: detectives say, well, yes, that does look very nice. Yeah. But can we see these things or take pictures of them? I don't know if they took them from her. Um, And they had... Teresita Boss's relatives that had been named, apparently, by Remy Chua to come down and look at these, um, this jewelry and say, yay or nay, whether it was Teresita's, and they said, yay.
2: This is remarkable. So, this is all plowing ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, arrested and charged. There is a, a, a trial hearing. He, on, oh,
1: well, hold on. He confessed.
2: Oh, yeah. So, he confessed he and He still has to go arrested. to trial. Sure. Right. So they have a trial hearing on a motion from uh, the assistant uh, public defender, William Swano. And he says, you know what? There's no probable cause here. They got a call about a trance uh, that I think this woman faked. And that arrest was illegal to begin with because they lacked probable cause. And never to my knowledge, quote, never to my knowledge has a man been arrested because of a supernatural vision. Police have never been informed of a criminal's name by a voice from the grave. And the judge went, except until now, because yeah. that's exactly what happened, dude.
1: Yeah, the judge upheld it in this hearing to throw out the entire arrest, because, again, Chuck, like re- regardless of whether this trance was Teresita Bassa possessing Rami Chua, regardless of what you think of that, in the annals of American justice, there is a case where a man was arrested because of strictly because of a tip that detectives received from a woman claiming to have been possessed by the murder victim. That happened.
2: Yeah, and the judge said, I see no reason to restrict the investigatory power of the police. Mm -hmm. Whether they believe the voices or not, they had to check it out. And that was sort of the party line, which was like, hey, man, it doesn't matter if a dog came out and peed out a name on the street. Like... They went to this guy's house, and he did it. <laughs> right. So, like, who cares? That was basically the whole the whole thing. Like, they, yeah. because the
1: police followed proper procedure, because they advised him of his rights, because Alan Showery went with them voluntarily and answered their questions voluntarily, and the fact that he confessed, like, all of this, it doesn't matter as far as the law is concerned whether Teresita Basa possessed Remy Chua or not. They they followed procedure and they followed up on this tip. And so there's a trial. And during the trial, um, Alan Showery, it looked like he might get off. There was a mistrial, in fact. But then he surprised everybody. While he was awaiting a new trial, he pled guilty. Yeah and didn't get a second trial, and instead was given something like 14 years for the murder, and then four years each for a robbery and arson. But he still, he only served, I think, something like five.
2: Yeah, Which, Which is, is crazy, too. In
1: and of itself, it is crazy. But he was caught strictly because of that <laughs> call from Remy from Chua's husband, Dr. Jose Chua. And so... Now you have to go back and say, how much of this is true? And apparently, everything we've said is true and verified, that there were reports done on it, that thing about that hearing. That was from a Washington Post article we found from 1978, I believe.
2: Oh, yeah, this is all true. Then no one came out later and said, you know, my wife's actually an amateur investigator, and she thought it'd be kind of fun to solve this case, and then present it and wrap it in the enticing uh, book jacket of a trance
1: right what what the uh I think we found some guy an a historian from Chicago uh wrote a post about it, and he kind of captured what i what I suspect um one thing that gets left out very frequently is that Remy Chua was a coworker uh of and all three kind of friend. Two. Yeah, of Teresita Bassa um, went to a party at her apartment, so knew where she lived, and then also knew Alan Showery and was actually scared of Alan Showery. So yeah. this historian posits that she was actually so afraid of coming forward, but so overcome by the mm-hmm. guilt of keeping this 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 thought to herself oh, that it came out through the, the, yeah. the. It just came out like that, and that, that makes that sense. It would it would be more culturally acceptable to do that than to you know just keep it to herself interesting and that's where the trance came from that she somehow acquired all this knowledge if that's the case that's still pretty interesting too
2: yeah she could have been uh, sleepwalking and talking sure which appears like a trance Uh, right but either way it's all pretty remarkable
1: it is pretty remarkable one of the most remarkable cases in American law enforcement and justice
2: and that's why we dedicated 12 minutes to it
1: more than that man 13 and a half baby (laughs) Uh, that's it for this short stuff, right? That's right. Short stuff away.
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.